The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hello and welcome to Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, the one and only Deb Tomorrow. I don't think there's any other Deb Tomorrows out there. I've looked on Facebook and I can't find them. Not that everybody in the world's on Facebook, but anyways. We are talking about what is real in real estate and probably getting off topic a little bit too. That's kind of my vibe today. So hang in there with us because there'll be some good information um, interspersed between some rants and probably some off topic discussions. But we are uh, so real. We say it twice. My website, realrealestatetoday.com. Com. And uh, I'm also on Twitter and I am on Facebook and I'm very excited that I am on Instagram. And last week I set a goal to hit how many? 43. 40, no, I, my goal was to hit 42 followers on Instagram. Okay. And I hit 43 thanks to my nephew, Jackson. Awesome. Thanks, Jackson. My, yeah, he was my 43rd. And so I did um, comment that I recognize that Taylor Swift has something like 16 billion followers, and I'm trying to get to, you know, 42, 43. But I'm proud. So next week, we're going to set a goal 51. 51 next week. So find me on Instagram. It's mostly puppy pictures because I'm told that that's what people like to see. Um, so I try to find creative ways to integrate puppies in real estate. It's not easy. So last week we answered, oh, I should introduce who I'm here with, Karen. Hello. Say hello, Karen. Karen Rastel, the best damn lender in the entire country, uh, although she's only licensed in the state of Indiana. But she can work on getting some more licenses. So she is here to chime in, bring us the financial perspective whenever she's allowed to and not limited by her license regulations. She gives me a look and says, I can't answer that question. And then I make up an answer um, because as a realtor, I can say pretty much anything I want. Uh, We're also joined in the background by Rachel, my associate producer, who's not allowed to be on mic because she has the voice of an angel, but curses like a sailor. You think I'm joking, but I'm actually not at all. Some of the passwords on our shared accounts involve words that my mother would have a heart attack. My mother's probably listening to, so I'll give a shout out to her. And my listeners in Ellettsville, Indiana, Rockford, Illinois, Thailand, and wherever else. So let's get to it. Let's 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 get back on topic. Focus, Deb, focus. Uh, last week we answered listener mail. Uh, And one of the listeners, who was actually my mother, was concerned about my blood pressure whenever anyone mentions the word Zillow or Zestimate. And I think that the universe heard that rant and then threw it back in my face. So it seems that pretty much every day this past week I've had someone say, but Zillow says that it's worth less. And I've I've said, you just need to go listen to last week's show. (laughs) Start around 20 minutes. 
and uh, listen to the rest of it. Uh, so same old issue. Uh, I sent a listen to a client on Saturday. Her first reaction was, well, Zillow has a much lower value. Well, we'll see because we're going to look at it here in a couple hours. Um, but out of curiosity, I decided to go to Zillow and see what it said about my house because I felt like, well, I know my house pretty well. Um, and honestly, I about had a heart attack. Um, Karen, you've been to my house. It mm-hmm. said my home was a one-bedroom, two-bath home. Is that true? Um, that is not true. It is not true. I do not live in a mansion. However, I live in a big old restored farmhouse, uh, although not as nice as something. I need Chip and Joanna in my house. Oh, you called him Chip. You I called know. Him the right well, because I watched some Chip and Joanna shows, and I'm, I'm feeling, I did a little reading on them, but I'm feeling a little endeared to them. So hopefully, you know, Chip and Joanna from Fixer Upper are listening and will come out and Fixer Up my house. But anyways, it is not a one-bedroom, two-bath home. Zillow uh, said I had a carport. That's not true. I don't have a carport. Uh, said nothing about my basement. The square footage of the finished section was pretty accurate, but there was no mention of you know 1,500 square feet of basement. I have a 1,700 square foot pole barn. Um, the value, in my professional opinion, I do do this, uh, you know, 24 hours a day, was about eighty thousand dollars off. Um, I mean, one bedroom. Seriously, it said I had one bedroom. Where are they getting that information from? So did you know that there's a solution? No, I there, did not. There is, right? No, there's not. <laughs> I thought there was a solution. So I got super excited. I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to fix this problem, and I'm going to go on the air, and I'm going to tell the entire world how to fix Zillow. I was pretty full of myself. So I went to Zillow, and what you do is you claim the house as the owner. You say, this is my house. And then you can edit the facts so that they're more accurate. I was like, sweet, okay. So I went in, I edited it, five bedrooms instead of one, um, that it has eight covered parking spaces in the big giant pole barn garage thing uh, that has a 1,500 square foot basement. I added all the amenities, amenities, the utilities, you know, what the furnace was, all that stuff. Um, there was no place to add some of the other stuff in my house. Um, we have a small stable and a small corral that aren't functional, but still add some value. That there's original woodwork in my 1925 house that I think adds a lot of value. At least I, I sound like I'm one of those unreasonable sellers. Like my house is the best house in the entire universe. <laughs> We're going to talk about that later. But anyways, I, so I wrote all that into the notes and I, and I made sure everything was, you know, perfectly correct. The right schools, everything. And I, I hit enter. Okay. What did Zillow tell me? How much did that, you know, get me closer to what my actual value was? Lowered my value by $3,000. It lowered it? I kid you not. So the one bedroom was valued more than more a than five, five bedroom. bedroom. The square footage was yeah, no basement, no pole barn, no garage was lo- yeah. What the hmm yeah, I was I, I I can't even make this up. I was I actually took screen captures because I was like I needed to prove this in case anybody questioned me. Um, so I did actually go back in and full disclosure, I went back in and I did change um, it because my house was built in 1925, but it's up to modern standards. Everything's been updated, so I changed it had a remodel date or remodel year. So I put that in at like 2007. I figured, hey, I'm about 10 years old or so. And that then raised my value up about 10,000. I'm still about 70,000 below market value. Yeah. But I couldn't even believe that. I go in and I, I put people more could see in my face. I know. I'm just like, that's how I was like astonished. sitting at my computer screen going, what the heck just happened when it went down $3,000 because I added more things to it. So anyways, Karen, what's the lesson that we learned from that? Um, don't trust Zillow for your estimates. There you go. Thank you very much. And I think I put something on Facebook 
uh, this week, and we may look for that and bump it back up to the top because there was a good um, blurb on how you could go in and cl- and claim your property um, and make those adjustments. And now I, I was all excited. I thought, we'll do this. We'll change the world. Not so much. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, but I have to change the subject right now because um, I don't want this to be a let's bash Zillow. Um, That's not my intent. Uh, My buyers use Zillow to search for homes. I'm totally fine with that. Just don't say, well, Zillow says. Um, So we are going to talk today about what smart sellers are doing. Ten things that smart sellers are doing before they even pick a realtor, before they even sign a listing contract. This is that time of year, I think, in most markets where listings are starting to really pop pop up. So I thought it was a good day to talk about sellers and what they're doing. Uh, How do they set themselves up for success? Because honestly, success in selling your home doesn't lie with the realtor. It lies with you. I have to tell this story. I used to work for the most horrible women in the world. I sound really negative today. I think I'm just a little sleepy. I don't mean that at all. But if you ask anyone in town who knows her, because Karen, you know her, she's not a nice person. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I'm like, no comment. Okay. All right. (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, I wish there were, yeah, this is when we need the video because we're making some hand signals. Anyways, but she would say, have this phrase and she would say, if it's got to be, it starts with me. And we laugh about it, but it honestly is true. So it's probably like the one, you know, people are put in your life to teach you lessons one way or the other. That was the lesson I learned from her. It's a good lesson. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, So if it's got to be, it starts with me. Same thing with sellers. If you need something to happen, it's got to start with you. So those are the things that we're going to talk about today. It's sort of a call to arms to sellers to step up, be involved, be a partner, ask questions, demand to understand how those t-shirts come in, Rachel, on the truck on the way. Your success and or failure sellers impacts only you. So be accountable for your situation. I want to empower you um, not to be a know-it-all seller, uh, but to take accountability and to be involved. Um, one of my favorite local organizations is Girls Inc. I'm getting off topic here, but I've been involved with them for a long time. And the reason I got involved with them initially was because of their slogan where they empower girls to be strong, smart, and bold. And uh, that is my goal, is to empower sellers to be strong, smart, and bold. I think there's a lot in that uh, sentence. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get started, because I'm pretty sure we're not going to get through all 10 of these. (laughs) As usual, we'll get through five, and then I'll scramble through the last five. So uh, first thing is to plan ahead. And that may mean three months, six months, or even a year. In fact, I listed a house yesterday where I first met the sellers three years ago. Three years ago. It took us three years to get here. I feel like that may be a record for me. But the nice thing is that we have a really good trusting relationship because we've bonded over the three years. Put their house on the market yesterday and uh, got an offer last night. So that was uh, three years, <laughs> long three years in the making, and it's kind of culminating here pretty quickly. Um But if you're looking at homes and you don't have a plan in place to sell your home first and you need to sell your home, you're doing things in the wrong order and I guarantee you're going to get disappointed. Karen, I think we ran into this last week. Uh, I had a client and I I was trying to get them to to talk with you too, that they found a house that they really liked. They want to move up from one house to another house, but they do need to sell their other house and they didn't really have a financing plan in place, didn't know how they were going to get their down payment. Um, And the way that our market is this year, the house that they love just kind of got snapped up. 
And they finally decided, you know, this may not be the year for us, which is fine because they don't live in a bad home right now. Um, But they need to uh, have that plan in place. If you think you are going to sell your house, need to sell your house soon, if you are looking at houses online, you need to have already talked to a realtor and established a relationship with a realtor. Um, Get pictures taken. I don't know. A lot of people don't think about that, but why not have pictures taken, have all the data gathered, have your home ready to list if you're looking at houses online? Because otherwise, what's your plan? I mean, there's very few people, Karen, maybe you can speak to this briefly, who can afford to buy a home without selling the home that they're in. There are very few people because uh, most loan programs will require if you're going to carry two mortgages that you have additional cash reserves and a lot of people don't. Yeah. So they may have enough for the down payment and they feel that their debt to income ratios, they can carry both mortgages. But having the additional cash reserves on each property, your current home and the new home you're about to purchase, um, sometimes we don't have buyers that can afford that. That's about six. Is it usually six months? So you'd have to have six months worth of payments for each home sitting in the bank. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that. So um, get your house ready to sell if that's what you think you're going to do. We're going to go to break and come back and keep talking about planning ahead, developing a relationship with a realtor and other good stuff that smart sellers are doing before that sign even goes in the ground. We will be back in a few. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We are talking about things that smart sellers do before that sign even goes in the ground. Planning ahead. Part of planning ahead is number two on my list, which is developing a relationship with a realtor. So I have a question, Karen. Maybe you can give me your input as a non-realtor person because I'm a little biased here. Okay. Why don't more people have a long-term relationship with a realtor? Is it because we're not nice people? I don't know. You always mm, say that about lenders. I, lenders no. are not nice people. No, lenders aren't trusting people. Realtors aren't nice people. Mm. I don't know why. It kind of goes the same with a lender. Like a lot of times they look at it as a as a one 
time yeah, transaction right. where one night my, stand. <laughs> yeah, one night stand. Where you know, for me, uh, to me, it's all about relationship building because right. we may not be in that same house. Right. For so you know, I look at it this way: if we use a financial advisor to manage our other assets, some of us do. Um, most of us should. Uh, why wouldn't we have a realtor as part of that team? A financial advisor can't really advise you on you know how to protect your asset. I mean, I know it's your home, but it's still an asset and part of it, your investment portfolio. That doesn't mean weekly phone calls with your realtor, um, but it does. Here's what it looks like to me. I'm just gonna tell you what what I like and what it looks like to me. Um, if my clients have a question about anything to do with their home, I'm there to answer and point them in the right direction. I got an email this morning from someone who said, we're having a dispute with our neighbor over the boundary line. They've been in the home for probably three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so she needed some direction on where to go with that. I'm happy to help and answer that. That's the kind of relationship I want to have with my clients. Um, I had someone else, what kind of countertop should I put in my house that's appropriate for my price point? So I've got someone who sort of has a vision. They know where they want their house to be, you know, in this certain price point. And then they said, you know, what can I go to Ikea? What can I do? You know, what are the options? What do you think? And asking my opinion. I think those are great questions that you should have a relationship with someone who is happy to answer those questions for you. Um, I had another one last week about property tax bills. They came out and they were confusing as all get out. You probably did. You get some of those too? I sure did. Thanks, Indiana. Uh, (laughs) They changed their property tax bills and everybody was like, what the heck? Um, And so, you know, where do you turn to answer those questions? Um, Who can I call to put a new roof on the house? You know, and and in return, I think, because a relationship is a two-way street, in return, um, you know, I like to think that my clients in general are loyal to me, too. Um, If they need a realtor, they're going to call me. If they have a friend that needs a referral, they're going to refer me. And it's, you know, it's a great, healthy relationship. Um, And I encourage people to do that. And and not every realtor is probably going to be on board with that. But I think the good ones are. Do you remember what I said? Um... A couple shows ago about how you know you have a good lender. Yes, if they're willing, listen to me, I should yeah. know that. If they're willing to meet with you now, even if you're not ready to buy. Yeah, if they're willing to meet with you now. And so I think that's the same thing. It's a sign of a great realtor. If they're willing to sort of develop that relationship with you now, even though you may not be, quote unquote, low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I need to eat next year, too. I need but you to should eat also point out, too, that for a lot of the people that relocate to this town, the first person that they get to know really yeah. well, besides coworkers, is the realtor right. who's helping them find that, that new home here. And it's just a good resource when the realtor is able to provide more information that goes above and beyond what, I guess, a, a normal realtor yeah. would do, right. which is give out suggestions on who can repair the roof and how to read the property tax statement or... You know, isn't that crazy? I had when I first started in real estate. Gosh, it's you know been a long time, but one of probably within the first year or two, one of my clients, I met him in an open house, and I have been at the hospital the day after, or the day of, or the day after the birth of all three of her children. <laughs> like that's how close of friends we've become. That's that's how good of a relationship we have. If you don't have an established realtor relationship. And especially if you think you're moving towards selling your home in the next year, two years, three years, you know, start by interviewing realtors. And I've harped on this. I do feel really strongly about this, that I think you need to not pick a realtor because it's your cousins, sisters, hairdressers, paper boys, mother kind of thing, that you need to find someone that you do click with. Um, 
Um, but in addition to that sort of personality clicking, uh, I encourage you to look at their listings because if you're planning on listing with them someday, it, it amazes me a lot. I ask people every time I go on a listing appointment, like, have you looked at some of my listings? And about half of them have said, yeah, I do. I've looked at your listings online. And half of them are like, no. And I would think that would be one of the first things that you would look at if you were interviewing a realtor to sell your house. Yeah, because I would want to see how they are presenting other seller's homes and right. what kind of details are you putting in about the description of the house? I mean, right. are they just cut and dry or are you building a story that you can really like picture yourself at this home? Right. Uh, how are the pictures? Are they fuzzy? You know, my favorites where the realtor doesn't even stand still to take the picture. They're like blurry and walking. Yeah. The one where they wouldn't open the back door. So the backyard pictures are all taken through a screen. Like oh, I remember door. that one. Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, how is the information? Is it accurate? Is it compelling? Does it make you want to click further into it? Those are all things that I think are completely fair. Um, a lot of times when we go on listing appointments and they're in, interviewing multiple um, uh, listing agents, uh, I know that people will go by the price. That the seller walks in the door, or the, the listing agent walks in and says, here's what I would list your house for. And they base their decision solely on that number. And I, I've seen sellers get burned. Some of them luck out and it's great, but I've also seen them get burned where they just sit on the market for a long time and eventually the price gets lower and lower and lower and then eventually it sells. Um, so, you know, I, I prefer, this is my my preference, is to not even talk numbers that first meeting. I haven't even seen your home. Um I think I've, I've lost some listings because of that, that I want sellers to pick me because of what I have to offer and not be swayed by the price. So I don't usually give a price on that first visit. Um, and here's the thing. I'm kind of always turned off by realtors who show up at that first meeting with the market analysis completely prepared because you haven't seen the inside of the home yet and you haven't talked with a seller about what their goals are. And I ask yeah. you, does that make us any better than Zillow? If my complaint about Zillow is you haven't seen the home, you don't know anything about, you know, what's inside the home or what improvements have been made or anything like that, then how can you walk in the door and say this is how much your house is worth? I didn't realize that people, that some agents did Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. We need to, like, coin a phrase like Zestimate when something like that happens. Zestimate. Well, and I get it because, you know, that's the first question that people have. How much do you list my house for? People are worried about numbers, and I get that. I totally get that, and I totally respect that. But the numbers are going to come in time. Um, and wouldn't you rather have accurate numbers than, you know, pulling a number out of the air without having all the full right. information? Um, and I would also say don't go by the lowest commission either. Um you know, there are different commission rates. There's a range of commission rates. Um, and I would just say, know what you're getting for that commission rate and think about it. You know, I had some past clients tell me that their first realtor said it didn't really matter who they chose to sell their house um, because realtors don't sell houses. Houses sell houses. Does that make sense? It doesn't, no. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get it. Like, I think to an extent it's true. I mean, if you have, you know, this awesome house and an awesome location and you have a market that is a seller's market, then, you know, you can probably put a pretty nasty, crappy listing out there and get it to sell. But that was, certainly wasn't the case in, in these clients that told me that. No, but if you're a seller and a, an agent says that to you, then I would be questioning myself then – Okay, well, if my house is going to sell itself, then maybe I can do this myself. Right, sure. Right, exactly. Um, you know, you do have an obligation to kind of, you want someone to make sure that 
to present the house and it's front and center. And it's, you know, it's kind of like I always tell my sellers, it's like online dating. It's like match.com. You got to put your best foot forward. If you put that picture out there that, you know, you're not looking great, mm-hmm. you're not going to get the hits that you want to get, right? <laughs> not that I would know anything about match.com. But um, so, you know, think about those things critically. Take a deep breath. Get the information and digest it before you make a decision on uh, the realtor. Part of making the decision on who your right realtor is, is my number three, which is that you need to clearly define your goal in selling. Uh, Is it a job transfer? So you have to sell. Maybe there's a relocation company involved. That's always fun. Uh, Do you need more space or do you need less space? Do you need a lower payment? Can you not stand your neighbors? I've heard that. I've had that before. Um, And then I encourage people, and I always ask them when I have a listing appointment, rate your sense of urgency to sell on a scale of 1 to 10. How badly, how quickly do you need to sell? You know, if your dream home, if you've got an offer on your dream home, but it's contingent on you selling your current home, you know, that might affect how you market, how you uh, price, how you frame selling your home. You may need to sell it quicker. Um, And then relating this to your realtor is really helpful to ensure that the process is going smoothly. So smart sellers make sure that their realtors understand what their sense of urgency is. Um, I had a situation where um, there was a house that I had sold and a few years later the the seller, the buyer, my buyer contacted me and he wanted to sell the house again and apparently they were in a pretty big dispute with a neighbor. It was a really sticky situation and I felt really bad for him. Um, I think there was even a restraining order and I oh believe gosh. there was an assault at some point. I'm not even, it was one of those where I didn't ask a lot of questions because I didn't really want to know. But the husband actually called me twice to list the house, but the wife and the son didn't want to sell. They loved the house. And so they really were not on the same page. The son's, the husband's sense of urgency to sell the home was you know, a 10. It was really high. He was done. He was frustrated. He was over it. And the wife and the son were probably more like a three. They were like, yeah, you know, whatever. We don't really want to sell. Um, So we had taken pictures. We had signed listing contracts. We are ready to go. Um, And this not having everybody a united front and having a clear unified goal um, with everybody that was involved, the listing actually never happened. Um, which is fine because in the end, I just want the client to be, you know, happy and in a good situation. So the good news is that the neighbor's house is for sale now. <laughs> so I've been trying to sell it and find a really nice neighbor for my clients because I think that would be really good for him. Um, so think about what your goals are and define those. Um, it helps you in your decision making. Uh, I mean, that's sort of a, a life thing, you know. Anytime you, anytime you have a goal and your mission is clear, it helps you make sure that you're making the right decisions. So. Let's see. So far, we've talked about interviewing realtors, uh, defining your goals, and uh, planning ahead just in general, whether that's three months, six months, two years, three years. Try and set a record. Maybe I'll get a (laughs) five-year. I've been working on it. Um, So we are going to talk about some of the financials here in a little bit, understanding financial options and understanding the market, some of the more nitty-gritty things that you need to do a little bit of research on, do your homework on to make sure that you are an empowered and informed seller before that sign even goes in the yard. But we're going to go ahead and throw it to break, and then we'll be back in a few minutes to talk more about smart selling. (laughs) 
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Are you following me on Instagram? How do they follow me on Instagram, Rachel? Just Deb tomorrow, D-E-B-T-O-M-A-R-O. I'm trying to, oh, thanks. She's posted it on Facebook, so it's there for you. I'm trying to learn hashtags for Instagram. That's a whole new, I don't know, if you haven't seen the Jimmy Fallon, Justin Timberlake hashtag skit, we may have to post that on Facebook because that's pretty funny. But um, I don't know. I feel the pressure to be really creative with hashtags. And then part of me wants to like hashtag like fixer upper Chuck and Joanna the whole time and just see if I can eventually get their attention. You could do that. I could. I mean, it may become a trending topic and then they'll see that and then they'll be, it'll link it all the way back to your website. So, okay. I'm also on Twitter at Deb tomorrow. I make it really easy. This is the beauty of having a name that no one else has. So we are talking today about things that smart sellers do before they even put the sign in the yard to be empowered sellers to make sure that they're taking making the most of their asset and the opportunity. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the financial stuff. So this is one um, that I run into a lot. I would bet it's, 80% of the time, understanding your mortgage payoff. For people who need to sell, there's a good chance that they're actually buying another home. And how many people, Karen, would you say in that situation use the equity that they have in their current home as the down payment? I will say if I'm getting an offer where it's contingent upon the sale, Mm -hmm. then yes, their only resource is getting the equity Equity, out of that. Yeah. So I think that that equity in that home is a really important um, key to this transitioning from one house to another, selling a house and buying another house, whether you're staying in town or whether you're moving across country. Um, it's not so often that people buy a house and then just move into a rental or something. So therefore, you need to understand what your bottom line potentially is going to be when you sell. One of the things I always go over with my clients, your realtor should always go over it with you, and I'm sure they do, most of them do, is what's called a net sheet. So it shows if you project to sell at $200,000, here are what your costs are involved in selling the commission and title insurance or settlement fees, taxes. It varies a little bit by um, different areas. Everybody kind of does it a little bit differently. So again, you need to talk to your realtor about that. But that net sheet then will also say, okay, here's what you're left with. 
And then you need to figure out what your mortgage payoff is because that's going to get paid off at closing. And that payoff is how much you actually have to pay to satisfy the terms of your mortgage loan and pay off your debts. It is different from the current balance, typically. Does that make sense, Karen? Yes. And why? The current balance normally is just the principal balance. So if you ever log in to look at your mortgage payment or whatever, you may want to see like what the payoff amount would be because it's going to include your interest, your accrued interest, um, any late fees, anything else. And some lenders will also charge, like if you need to have a payoff fax to the title mm-hmm. company. It's like 30 they, bucks, right? They may charge some kind of fee for that as well. Okay. Um, so... I, you know, I try not to involve myself in that mortgage payoff number. I always tell my clients, hey, you need to call your mortgage company and ask them what your payoff is. Um, don't rely on what is the balance on your statement or online. But I think at least 50% of the time, and it may be more like 80% of the time, when my sellers finally see their official closing statement, which doesn't really come until a few days before closing typically, they always say that the mortgage payoff was more than what they thought it would be. And so they're having to bring a little bit more money to close. Do you run into that? Do you ever get people saying that, Karen? Sometimes, but most of the title companies, I mean, I try to be proactive versus reactive. So I try to have that conversation up front. Um, A lot of times um, when they see that closing disclosure, which is sent out at least three days before closing, and they have questions about that, then... You know, the title company can always provide them a copy of, mm-hmm. of what the payoff is. Of what the payoff yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, I've never had anybody change it. They just always act really surprised. Like that's not the number I thought it was. Yeah, I think once they see the written payoff, yeah, that Where you know that. From. Yeah, that the title company has, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, but I think if you're really counting on that money for something, um, you need to understand what your mortgage payoff is so that you can kind of build that in. And Karen, there's also a funky little thing with an FHA loan, which I know a lot of first-time home buyers have. So a lot of FHA loans are ones that typically get paid off, you know, after a few years, five years, 10 mm-hmm. years, because they move up into another home. So yeah. what's the little quirk with the FHA loan? With FHA the interest that you're paying every month is for when you lived in the house or owned the house the previous month. So if you're paying off an FHA loan, let's say you're selling your your house, it has an FHA mortgage, and you are paying it, the closing is on the 10th of the month. You are actually paying for the entire month, all 30 days or 31 days, the number of days of that month of interest that you don't get back. So typically when someone's trying to sell a house that has FHA or doing a refinance, we try to do that closing closer towards the end of the month mm-hmm. where they've actually still own that property since they're paying on that interest for the full month. So if you close on the 10th, you're still paying interest through the 30th, even though you didn't own the home for those 20 days. That's correct. Hey, thanks, federal government. Um, that doesn't make sense to me, but that's the way it works, folks. So be aware if you have an FHA, because that's where people get really tripped up because they see that payoff and then they it ends up being a lot higher because that interest gets tacked on. Um, So understand that number, ask questions, demand to understand. T-shirts coming soon. Um, Also, and we've been alluding to this, number five on things that smart sellers are understanding before they stick that sign in the yard. Understand your financial options. Can you buy before you sell? We talked about some of those. Um, I think... And I don't know, Karen, you can tell me if you've seen something different. I feel like a lot of sellers sort of ignore this step. And I don't know if that's because the thought process is, well, I've bought a house before. I've made my payments. So I'm sure they'll want to give me the mortgage that I want. 
It might be that, and and because most consumers don't know the additional requirements if someone's retaining two mortgages or, you know, plus if the rules have changed, which I'm sure they have since they obtained that last mortgage, mm-hmm. they just think, oh, I remember the last time it was easy. We had this and that. They know their debts. They know their income, but it's those other things that that they're not aware of, especially like having additional cash reserves. Mm-hmm. And we talked about uh, a couple of shows ago. So if you, this, these questions really kind of go back to the two shows that we did um, about mortgage myths, debunking drink um, was like, if you decide you want to keep your current home and have it as a rental and you have a tenant lined up, you can't count that rental income uh, to offset your mortgage, even though it seems like that would make sense. And, and I have had, um, uh, sellers, buyers and sellers kind of run into that and be like, oh crap, this isn't going to work and have to kind of rearrange their game plan uh, at the last minute. And usually it's when they have their dream home sitting in front of them with a million other people looking at it and they're trying to figure out what their game plan is. So can you buy before you sell? Do you have the down payment? Can you use your equity as down payment? Karen, does anyone do those bridge loans anymore? Um, Is that an old fashioned term? No, I mean... I, I did one once. When I worked at the at a bank, I mean, we called it a swing loan, and I do believe that they're still out there. I, You know, I don't know how many people use that since they don't work for an actual bank, but... And so my understanding when I did it, uh, gosh, and that was, oh, I don't even know, 15 years ago probably, but we took the equity. I hadn't sold my house yet, and I was buying a condo. So we took the equity out of my house, used that as a down payment for the condo. And then when the house sold, everything got paid off. So it was kind of like a second mortgage. Yeah, I know that they're a little shorter term. I mean, mm-hmm. they may, I mean, don't hold me to it, but mm-hmm. it, maybe it's for 90 days. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. that they're not okay. that uh, long of a term because the idea is that you sell your house and that swing loan is paid off. Right. So there are some, uh, I think, creative ways around it, creative yet quite legal, ways uh, to work out the finances, but you have to get in and think about it um, uh, and work through it, Uh, especially if you've had a job change, um, you know, career change, accumulated new debt. There's lots of things that could have changed your financial picture. So understanding your financial options. I think I was going to add, too, I know I've had buyers who they're going to use – investment account money Mm -hmm. or retirement funds Mm -hmm. and um, they're ready to act on it. They've got an accepted offer, but now they're telling me at that point, okay, I think I'm going to pull the money out of my 401k. They do need to check with whoever is um, handling or holding those accounts because the process could vary. It may take, you know, one company a couple of weeks to process that Mm -hmm. or like this one couple, it took six weeks for it to be, to get the 401k loan. Uh, to get liquidated, to do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that definitely pushed back their closing. Okay. Yeah. Good. So understand that. Have a plan in place. And like everything else, uh, I think you should have a plan A and a plan B. I think that's smart. Uh, number six smart things that sellers are doing. Understand the market. Um, are you going to open houses? Yeah, I don't go to open houses, but are you going to open houses? I think that's a great way to kind of learn um, what what's selling, what's interesting to people, what, you know, what countertop materials are popular for a certain neighborhood. You know, you don't want to spruce up your house more than what the what's the going status quo for the neighborhood, but you want to be appropriate for that. So to, uh, this is a little controversial, so I'm not sure how I feel about it, but in concept, I like it. How's that? For vagueness. I like the idea of touring your competition. 
But I also think it's probably we'd be annoyed if, if we were a seller and someone did that to us. So that's why I say go to open houses because they're open anyways. Um, and that's something that you could start doing well before. And, and I do get a lot of neighbors in my open houses and that's fine. It's a good opportunity to meet people. Um, but tour and understand your competition. We talked about this a little bit before about how I go, uh, I think in last week's show, when we were talking about estimates and value, we talked about how an appraiser has a certain value and an assessor has a certain value and a realtor has a certain value and what value, what really is value. And that's when a buyer is willing to pay what a seller is willing to sell at. So it's not, again, it's not so much about what's sold in the past, which is sort of the traditional way of approaching real estate. It's really more about what your competition is and how you compare with that competition. So I came up with this analogy, Karen, I need you to hang with me here because it may not make sense. <laughs> I wrote this about 4.30 this morning, so there's a good chance. And you can tell why I wrote it at 4.30 this morning as <laughs> so I was eating breakfast. Okay, so say that I'm shopping for breakfast cereals and I'm looking at a family-sized box of Cocoa Pebbles and it's on sale for two fifty. Okay, that's a good deal, I think, for Cocoa Pebbles. And if I'm looking at the same size box of Captain Crunch and it's $3, let's say they both provide the same nutritional value, which is basically none, right? Uh, but they both taste mm-mm, good. So different, but good. They both generally satisfy the same need. It's 4.30 in the morning and my stomach's growling. So they both work. Um, which one am I going to be inclined to go with? Which one would you be inclined to go with, Karen? Probably the cheaper one. Yeah, probably the one for two fifty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm feeling more value there. Okay. And the value isn't just about the size of the box. Value could also be about nutritional value. So now let's say I open up my cabinet. This is true. I have pictures. Uh, there's, say there's a four, I don't know how much, Kashi, you know, that fancy schmancy, high protein, mm-hmm, whatever. I, I got a box of that. Did I have that this morning? No, I probably went with the Captain Crunch. Um, but say there's a $4 box of Kashi, would I pick that over a two fifty box of Cocoa Pebbles? Um, because I perceive that it's got a better value. That's possible. My point is this. Anywhere in this thought process of which cereal has a better value to us, have we talked about what cereal costs last week? No. No, see, (laughs) did my point get made? Okay, so now maybe if cereal was $10 a box this week and last week it was only $2.50 a box, then we might be talking about, whoa, what happened last week? You know, what were last week's prices? What were this week's prices? There's something going on. Is this week underpriced or overpriced or whatever? But in general, we're just looking at what our competition is. She's laughing at me. No, I'm just thinking you're in very deep thoughts at 4.30 a.m. You should try me. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's when the best emails come out of my uh, fingertips for sure. So you need to understand, this is so deep, you need, we'll probably have to throw it to commercial break after this because I have to let people like dwell on this, right? Moment of silence, please. You need to understand if you are a box of Kashi or you are a box of Cocoa Pebbles or you a box of Captain Crunch. You need to understand if people are buyers, other buyers are going to be choosing your home from amidst a bunch of boxes of Captain Crunch, Lucky Charms, Cheerios, what? What those cereals have to offer and what those price points are. Does that make sense? It it does. Now I'm kind of, I need like an after school snack now. (laughs) Yeah. So, That's my whole point in saying, what's your competition? And so as a seller, you need to understand what your competition is. Detach yourself from your home. Be objective, which is really hard because when I was on Zillow complaining about the price of my home, I certainly wasn't being objective. Are you kidding me? My home is like the best home in the world. I was putting notes in there about my home has historic value in Monroe County because it has all these stories and these people lived in it. Zillow doesn't give a crap about that, but whatever. So Um, Not just understanding how your home compares, but understanding 
if uh, you're looking for that box of Kashi, if you're looking, uh, you know, what kind of cereal you are. So there's my cereal analogy. I think I'm done with that. Let's go to break and I'll dwell on that. Have a bowl of cereal. We'll be back in a few minutes. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back. Are you still with me after that cereal analogy? I hope so. I'm going to run home and get a a bowl of Captain Crunch. All right. Number seven, smart things that sellers are doing before the sign even goes in the yard. Now, this one uh, I think is brilliant. I don't know why people do it. I suggest it to every single seller. Nobody ever takes me up on it. They nod their head and they say, that's a great idea. And then they never do it. And that is pre-listing inspections. I have for probably two years now dwelled on this and thought there's got to be a reason that people aren't doing this. Like there's got to be something I'm missing. You mean just not posting it? Like maybe they are doing the home inspection? No, no not at They're all. They're not doing it. No. I can't figure it out. Yeah. Maybe they don't want to know. Uh, that could be it. That probably is true. But would you rather know before you have an offer, or would you rather lose a buyer because they do an inspection and then the whole deal falls apart? If it were me, I'd rather go through my own, get get a home inspection, address what I think would impact a potential sale, get those fixed, and then as as buyers are coming through the door, show them here was my here was the inspection that I just did, right? You know, a month ago, right. And here's where we've you right. Know, so I was doing some research online because I kept thinking, all right, there's got to be something I'm missing that why people don't do it. And all I could find were all these like advantages to the seller. So I'm going to read some of them because this makes sense. So what we're talking about is doing a full-blown inspection, a home inspection, just like a buyer would do on the property, but doing it before you list. Um, I They probably cost different things in different markets around here. I'm going to say they're under $400 just to do kind of a basic inspection. Some home inspectors will catch you a little bit of a break if it's a pre-listing inspection. But it's definitely going to alert the seller to any items of immediate concern. Um, 
gosh, I mean, if you have termites or something like that, wouldn't you want to know it anyways? I'm on a big thing about telling my sellers that I think they should do home inspection owners, not my sellers, but my owners, people who own homes. I think you should do a home inspection every few years. Say every five years you do a home inspection. Sure. Just see what's going on inside your walls. Because yeah. I have no idea how to spot a termite. I'm, and I'm certainly not in a crawl space or up on my roof looking at my chimney flashing or anything like that. Um, the seller can also, I think one of the other benefits, the seller can be there with the inspector. The seller is typically not there when a buyer has a home inspection because the buyer's uh, you know, paying for that home inspector and it's a relationship between those two. So the seller might have questions. And so here the seller can be there and assist the home inspector um, you know, and really understand what they might be seeing. I think the, a home inspection report, a pre-listing report can help sellers realistically price the home if problems do exist or help substantiate a higher price uh, if problems don't exist or have been corrected. It's a clean bill of health. Boom, done. I've got a listing uh, that we sold last week, and it's been inspected by a structural engineer, and we've got a structural engineer report. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to sleep well, you know, knowing the buyer's going to do an inspection. Boom, here you go. Structural engineer report. It's an older home. No problem. It's all good. If the uh, – this is, I think, one of the biggest ones for me. If a seller, If an inspection reveals a problem ahead of time, it gives the seller the time to make repairs – and a shop for competitive contractors. When you are under the gun and the buyer saying, I need this fixed, I want this fixed how, I'm in charge of how it's going to be fixed because I want to be satisfied, you're going to use you know, their um, contractors, whatever, just to keep the deal going, especially if you're trying to buy another home, you've got your dream home on the line, you don't want all, you know, two deals to fall apart kind of thing. Um, so doing the pre-listing inspection gives you time to find the right contractor, find someone you trust, find someone you uh, find affordable uh, to do that repair, and you're not doing it under pressure. I've got a closing coming up next week, and oh my gosh, we are just, I've got several closings coming up next week that we're scrambling to get inspection items done because they're real tight timelines. And it's just, I said to my one of my sellers uh, Yesterday, I said, I think everybody's just going to collapse from exhaustion at the closing table because the buyers are in Texas and they're trying to close on a property down there and the sellers are up here, but they're moving to Florida and they're trying to get all these, you know, a new roof on because the roof had hail damage. I mean, it's like all this stuff and they're trying to pack and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm just hearing about it makes me exhausted. And so, um, and then certainly as a seller, you know, if you've found things on the inspection report and you want to share that inspection report with the buyer, you can attach the paid invoices so that they know the work has been done. Um, and, and I think these are all, it's a great marketing tool. Home's been inspected. Everything is fine. On your side of things, is there any, any requirement that if a seller had a pre-listing inspection and there were some things of substantial, you know, that needed substantial repair, and maybe the seller chose not to fix those things, do they need to disclose that? Yes. So that's the catch. But it's going to be found anyways. So to me, it's not really, you're not going to slide by. If something needs to be disclosed, it needs to be disclosed. Um, Each state has their own forms um, that legal teams put together for disclosure. Mm -hmm. So I can only speak to the forms in Indiana, but you have to disclose things like if you know of radon and it hasn't been mitigated, um, if you know of foundation problems, if you know of water issues, if you know of roof leaks, um, you know, anything like that, you have to disclose. Right, but what I'm saying, and I understand that because I I do see that as part of the purchase agreement, but I guess my, my, my bigger question is, maybe it's an ethical question, 
which is you have a seller who decided to do a pre-listing mm-hmm. um, inspection. There are some things wrong, but no one goes about to fix them, and they don't change that disclosure. Well, I guess that's the, or, if it's something that's on the disclosure, then yes, that's an issue. But if it's something like, well, the home inspector is going to point out that there's some missing window screens. That's in Indiana. That's right. not a disclosure item. So that's something you should be aware of, but it isn't necessarily, you don't need to present the buyer with a laundry list of, okay, here's all the window screens that are missing in the house. Sure, but the things that are actually specified on that disclosure checklist, I would think once, as a homeowner, once I realize that I have those key items and there are issues that I need to maybe change my initial disclosure to now what I do But the beauty is if you do a pre-listing inspection, you haven't done the disclosure yet because you're not on the market. Oh, I see. See? So it's helping you fill out the disclosure. And if it's repaired, then you don't have to you don't have to list out every repair you've ever done to your house on the disclosure. But you certainly can't hide anything. So there is that risk, but it's gonna come up one way or the other. Wouldn't you rather know it when you're in control of the situation, not when a buyer is a little bit more in control of the situation? So that's my point with pre listing inspections. Um, I think they are really, really a great idea. Um, and I would encourage all sellers to contemplate that because our ultimate goal here is to have a smooth transaction, get you to closing and help you fulfill your plan and get on your way. Um, A couple other things to add that things that smart sellers are doing, have a plan B. This is a big one for me. I always ask my sellers this plan A is that we find your dream home and you move from home, you know, old home to dream home, um, never homeless, but you may not find your dream home. So what's your plan B? And maybe even what's your plan C? If it's sleeping on a couch, that's fine. Sleeping in a U-Haul, I've had that happen before um, because they didn't have a plan B. So have a plan B. Helps minimize stress. Um, don't be forced to live in the back of a U-Haul. Uh, and then you can, number nine, fix your Zestimate. I wrote that and then I went and fixed my Zestimate and then I was sort of disappointed. But you might, I would say take a look at Zillow because we know, realistically, we know that buyers are out there looking at it. Even if you can't get the value where you want it to be, make sure that the amenities and everything are, you know, accurate and and filled there. And then number 10, doing the same thing. Check those county records because that's where Zillow is getting a lot of information. So that's my next step is I need to go figure out why the heck Zillow thought I lived in a one-bedroom home. My guess is that somewhere in county records, it's stating that. Um, And buyers are going there too. Buyers are savvy. They're online and they're looking at county records, um, tax assessor records. They know if the square footage is off. Um, So take a look at those things too and make sure that the information out there on the interweb is accurate about your property as well. Um, Let's see. How are we out of time already? Now everybody's like, I don't know. Just because you talked about cereal for an hour, Deb. That's why. All right. So let's recap really quickly uh, what we talked about today because these are 10 things that smart sellers are doing. Before they put the sign in the yard, uh, plan ahead, three months, six months, three years, I don't care. Develop a relationship with a realtor. Call me um, and, and build that relationship. 
define what your goals are, understand really clearly why you're selling um, and rate your sense of urgency on that. Understand your mortgage payoff, understand your financial options, talk with a lender, develop a relationship with a lender. I guess I should have had that as one. Understand the market, understand what box of cereal you're buying or selling, what box of cereal you're selling. Think about doing a pre-listing inspection, have a plan B, screw you Zillow, and check your county records. We're going to put all those up on Facebook, so check me out on Facebook. Next week, I think we might talk about open houses because it's that time of year. So how do you go to an open house? What should you expect in an open house? Um, and if you're a seller, how do you make sure you have a successful open house? What are the value in open doing open houses? Does anyone even do them anymore? So we'll try to answer some of those questions. Meanwhile, in the coming week, uh, check me out on Instagram. What's the goal? 51 followers. So I need eight more followers on Instagram this week. I don't have high goals. I set realistic <laughs> goals. Thank you so much for tuning in th- uh, this week. And we will be back next week for more. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb, tomorrow for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets. 